Welcome to episode five of Set the Tone. I am your host, Tony. You can follow along this whirlwind of a journey on Twitter at Set the Tone underscore pod on Twitter. That's at Set the Tone underscore pod on Twitter. How do we begin episode five? Or what tone do we set to begin episode five? And it's going to be a little bit different. So far, it's been football dominant, but I'm going to talk about a putulent child out of the city of Philadelphia named Ben Simmons. And thank you for those joining along this week. I did say that podcasts might have a little bit of a hiatus, but for you, the listeners, the fans, if I have any, the haters more, more so is what I think. I wanted to get one podcast out there just to wet the beak for y'all for a little bit, right? Throw some breadcrumbs to the ducks and keep them fed. Keep them coming back for more. I couldn't go two weeks without you guys. Need you here for a little bit longer. But back to Ben Simmons and the putulent child that I called him. What on earth is he thinking? And the lousy part about me only being five episodes deep into a podcast, which I said that I, there are things that I will bring up as a part of this program that I've referenced in private conversations with friends, but in the same medium of almost giving a sports take, sharing my thoughts. And my thought for the past three years has been sell on Ben Simmons. After his rookie year, and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but after his rookie year, well, or let's say his first season playing in the NBA, right? Put the injury season aside. When he came back and showed the persisting ineptitude when it comes to shooting, At that point is when I was out on Ben Simmons. Because what that showed me is that there was no effort in the offseason. Date a Kardashian or whatever the heck you want to do. I don't care. Not my business. But that's where the interest lied. And you can say it goes back even further to college. Of all these sports that are out there. Basketball is the one where the best player on the playing surface, in this case the court, can have the most impact. LSU, in what's not a dominant basketball-heavy SEC conference, did not make a 68-team NCAA tournament field. That's the Ben Simmons the Sixers took number one overall. That is the Ben Simmons I called bullshit on as he was going to enter his second playing season in the NBA. He did not want to get better. He wants everything to come along with being an NBA talent without the work ethic. And there's no way in hell that you can sit here and tell me that I'm wrong. Because he hasn't shown it. Has not shown it from day one. 
and now we lead to modern day October 19th 5:39 p.m. in the east while I record this and he was sent home for practice Doc Rivers sent his ass home from practice and the reason why for those who went to high school you remember the kid that would get kicked out of class why because he wouldn't do a damn thing the teacher would say he was disruptive and the teacher would kick their ass out of class and send them to the principal's office or go to the AP walk up to the phone the assistant answers the phone hello Billy's coming to the office he should be there in about two minutes and the kid has to sit in the AP's office for the rest of class and goes on his merrily way what does the kid get written up with and have a Saturday morning detention? Not that I know from any sort of experience, but I've seen it happen. Insubordination. Ben Simmons is being an insubordinate high school student at Philadelphia 76ers practice. Now, we can point blame in multiple directions. You can put a little bit on the Sixers for, in what my opinion was, enabling this early on. I thought they held on to Brett Brown too long as a head coach. I thought that he was a player's head coach and enabled Ben Simmons to be Ben Simmons. Probably a little bit of a problem. When you chose Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler, I knew it was also an issue. And I feel like the smartest man in the room when it comes to this because everything Ben Simmons does makes me look like a genius. Now the question comes into his trade value. What the hell is that even? We don't know. What team wants to trade? And to be quite honest, I applaud the Sixers now for taking a stand, for fining him for missing preseason games, for fining him for missing practices. It's up to $1.4 million right now, as uh, Woj had reported. Good for the Sixers to take a stand. And I agree that in certain instances, the players need to put their foot down and take a stand. Right, that they might get run over a few, few too many times. But I did not agree with the way James Harden went about his business to get out of Houston and to get sent to Brooklyn. And that's the way that Ben Simmons is approaching this right now. And if I'm the Sixers, fine. Sit his ass down and fine him. I'm good with it. Now, I don't know if he's at his peak what his trade value is too. He's a, he's a very one. I don't. I don't want to say one dimensional, but he's a downhill basketball player, and he's indecisive on when he wants to be downhill. He could pass very well in transition, but too many times his indecisiveness gets him caught at the top of the key, and he's locked out. And if you want to credit his defense, where the hell was his defense last year in the playoffs? Well, at least he has good lockdown. He did not have good lockdown defense last year in the playoffs. Got the Sixers bounced right on out. They have a mess on their hands in Philadelphia. This is far from over. And luck will have it. No one cares about your fantasy league. No one cares about mine. But I did have a fantasy basketball draft on Sunday night with West Coast friends. I fell asleep before it started. And... Who did auto-draft give me? Ben Simmons. That's what I get for talking shit for the past three years on Ben Simmons. 
Other news and notes, we have the MLB postseason going on. The Red Sox have a lead over the Houston Astros after Boston has turned into Grand Slam City. I still think Houston comes back and wins. They're a little pitching deprived right now. Not too worried. The Braves have a 2-0 lead on the LA Dodgers. If you remember the time and date that I had given this, the uh, Dodgers are in the midst of Game 3 with a 2-0 lead. Walker Bueller on the bump taking on Charlie Morton and the Atlanta Braves. But what comes out and what intrigues me is the three-year contract that the New York Yankees have given to Aaron Boone. And again, hand in the air, Yankee fan here, where I don't see eye-to-eye with a lot of Yankee fans who don't want Aaron Boone back. What do you want? Because I don't want to say Aaron Boone is not the problem. He's part of the problem, but he's not the root cause. In my opinion, the New York Yankees want a manager who can be treated as a pawn. Aaron Boone is that to them. The front office, Brian Cashman, his analytical buddies, want someone who they can tell how to set a lineup, how they can make in-game decisions, and that's what Aaron Boone does for them. So you're not going to get anybody better than Aaron Boone if that's the philosophy that the Yankees want to take in putting a baseball team on the field and managing a baseball team through 162 games and an October run. So Aaron Boone is perfect for the New York Yankees. Aaron Boone is not perfect for the New York Yankees fans. I don't know at this point in time anymore that Brian Cashman is perfect for the Yankees fan base. The ship might have sailed and they are hanging on for dear life. Weak in the minor leagues and I'll say they're weak in the minor leagues because until the talent that comes through that system matures and develops and proves that it can, I'm going to say it can't. You have Aaron Judge to hang your hat on. Luis Severino. That's who's come through the system and has performed. So I'm not going to hold my breath on Jason Dominguez coming up through the pipeline. And the other pitchers that they have time and time again failed to develop. Just not going to. I think this starts at the top with the Yankees. And I truly think that the vitriol for Aaron Boone is misguided. Pointed at the top. Started with Cashman. Because I don't think that we've been able to see Aaron Boone act in full as a manager. How funny we all gave Joe Girardi so much shit for that dopey binder that he would trot to the top step with and make all his decisions from there. The reason we can't give Boone or anyone flack for it right now because it's on a thin iPad. And that thing could be three times the size of what Girardi's binder was. I feel bad for Joe. I do. 
And maybe I was wrong in saying that he should be let go. I thought Boone was going to be the guy after year one, turns out. I might have been wrong. But I think Brian Cashman in this spot has been more wrong. We've covered the Sixers. We've covered the Yankees. Let's get to the NFL. The Raiders were winners this week. Titans over the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. Steelers hang on against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. Urban Meyer out of the woods. Here comes Urban. Win number one for the Jacksonville Jaguars. A beautiful home win in London, England. At the expense of my Miami Dolphins. My survivor pick. All of your survivor pick too. I guess we'll get the survivor pick segment out of the way now. I'll still continue to pick for you all and and shed a little insight on who I would go with. But damn, my thought of the Dolphins over the Jags looked good at about 9.30 in the morning as a seven-minute and change touchdown drive to a waddle. Put everyone in a really good spot, only for it to fail miserably as it went on. So I apologize for giving you all a loser. Everyone else in my league picked different teams. I thought we could have a little 1 p.m. chaos, making me look like a genius. So 10.30 felt very good about my survivor decision. This week, I don't know if that I want to overcomplicate this thing much, but uh, the Arizona Cardinals at home against the Houston Texans, lock it up, put it in, and move on to your next week if you were smart enough to fade my Miami Dolphins pick. But I mentioned the Raiders get off the schneid with uh, John Gruden out as head coach. We've still yet to see anything from the emails that have come out. Mike Florio's been beating the drum over at Pro Football Talk to get more insight. And (laughs) the NFL plays by their own rules. The media can kick and scream as much as they want in an appropriate fashion. But Roger Goodell could care less. Could not care less about what you want with the emails. And the fact that nothing more is coming out, the longer the NFL waits on this, and we're not going to get answers because next time we're going to hear Roger Goodell speak is at Super Bowl Media Day where he has about 25 reporters that the NFL nicely handpicks, feeds a question, And Goodell gives some stock fodder nonsense line. But it leads me to believe that these emails have a little bit more dirt to them. Might need a Brillo pad to scrape this one off. We'll see as it continues. Who pushes? Does Florio get somewhere on this? Do we the fans get anywhere on this? Thank you for joining me on this ride. As I had mentioned, a couple weeks hiatus likely coming, but wanted to get some talk time in on Set the Tone. You can follow along on Twitter again at setthetone underscore pod. Please like, subscribe, follow, interact. 
Have some fun. We'll talk to y'all in a few weeks.